Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. It's an honor to be here. Uh, It's an honor to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't take it lightly. I've preached in prisons and overseas and over a lot of places. Maybe a little introduction would be good. We did come all the way from Silverdale, but we came from Silverdale to Baltimore. Then my closest friend passed away. I flew back and did the funeral in a little town called Morton. And if you blink your eyes, you miss it, that kind of a town. And then I got, went back home, and then I went to the airport and flew all the way here. So I'm not sure how many miles that is. It's not 29,000, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's a lot of miles. <laughs> and it's just a wonderful privilege to be among God's people. Now, I, I've only been preaching since 1971. I preached my first revival in 1971. My first convert was my wife. No, not really. (laughs) She was praying for me awful lot, though. I was just a scared little young fella going to Bible college and got invited to preach my first revival, and that was a long time ago. Um, By the way, I'm so happy. I'm really thrilled to have my youngest daughter and her family here, Rochelle and Robbie and Adeline. I have... They have two other children there in, involved in their local church they attend. But I, I certainly appreciate them being here. But anyway, so I started preaching. Just to give you a little background so you understand, I, I really just didn't, you know, fall off a fence somewhere last week and decide to preach or, you know, get a, a license from somebody in the mail. But uh, I paid my dues, and I, but I have pastored in quite a few churches, five Four or five churches. I'd have to think for a minute. But from the state of Maine to the state of Louisiana, back to the state of Maine, then all the way to Washington, where we have spent the last 32 years there, 30 of them pastoring. And then we became the bishop. Uh, and we have another young man family, his family, that are pastoring the church. So you get older and you go through seasons and things change. Uh, but the, the Word of God never changes. Jesus never changes. And uh, I, I have come here today. Uh, last week I was praying, talking to God, as preachers do, hopefully. And um, God uh, just seemed to uh, bring my attention to this message today that with the help of the Lord, I, I hope I can deliver it in the way the Lord wants it delivered. First of all, I just want to ask uh, a couple of people, uh, what's the most important thing in your life? Let's see who I can pick first. Um, how about this gentleman right here? What would you consider the most important thing in your life? Now, it's not a trick question. It's really just what, what do you consider the most important thing that God has given you outside of receiving the Holy Ghost, okay? There we go. Good. That's a good answer. All right. That's a good answer. 
We got one good answer. All right, let's 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 try a, a lady. This lady right here in the second row in the back. What would be most precious to you? Children. All right, good. Spouse and children. All right. Anybody? Should we go for a third? And we might we might make a hundred percent here. All right. Uh, the the gentleman who received our offering. What would be the most precious thing you have or? All right, all right, all right. So, all right, now stand with me. We're going to read some scripture. And you're wondering what in the world is all that about. I'll tell you when we get to it. <laughs> Y'all did a good job, too, by the way. Joshua chapter 2. There are four stories in the Old Testament that so often people use when they're preaching. And I'm sure I could preach a whole message on each one, but I'm going to try. My daughter said, Dad. Okay, I said, okay, I know what. <laughs> Joshua chapter 2, but I have a lot of verses, but I'm not going to read them all because there's probably too many to read. And the last time I read a lot of them, my wife said, honey, you really don't have to read all those. So I'm getting lots of advice. I've only been preaching, you know, 50 years. But anyway, it's good to get advice. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, even Jericho. And they went came into a harlot's house, what a peculiar place to arrive. And I know some people, there's controversy about it, but let's just go by what the King James says, and named Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country, spy it out. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which have entered in thine house, for they come to search out all the country and the women took excuse me and the woman took the two men and hid them and she said to the king they came men unto me but I, I don't know where they've gone now okay and it came to pass about that time the shutting of the gate when it was dark that the men went out whether the men went I know not she said maybe if you pursue after them quickly you shall overtake them but she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them and, uh, and the men pursued after them. The soldiers went looking the direction she had said, the way to Jordan to the fords. And as soon as they were pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came to them upon the roof. And this is what she said. And this is very important. I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon it and that all the inhabitants of the land uh, faint for you or because of you. For we have heard of how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. Somebody's been testifying. Amen. Yeah. Amen. When you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, the other side Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage by any man. Because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Here is this woman confessing to what she has she believes. Now, therefore, I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, you also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. Okay? And, verse 13, and that you will save alive, notice this, my father, my mother, my brethren, my sisters, and all that I have, and deliver our lives from death. And so in verse 15 it says, And she let them down by cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall. And she dwelt upon the wall. And then you go to chapter 2, verse 18. 
And these men said, when we come to the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window. Scarlet thread, few very important descriptive words that have meaning, uh, deep meaning. We probably won't get into all that. But anyway, and so uh, you let us down by. And thou shalt bring, and now they give him her instructions, thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren, all thy father's, all thy father's household. It has expanded now a little bit. Now she's getting her aunts and her uncles, if there are any home unto thee. And I wrote in my notes, that's all the family. And verse 19, and it shall be, whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house of the street, the blood shall be upon your head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with, within the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. Okay. So verse 21 says, she bound the scarlet line in the window soon as they finished saying that. And I want to know, you to notice first of all that she immediately took action to save her family. Yes, yes. When she heard there was something she could do. Yes. I hope before I get through preaching, I'll be able to tell you something you can do yes. to save your family. Amen. Amen. Joshua chapter 6 finishes the story. Uh, uh, Joshua had sent it to the two men that spied out the country, go to the harlot's house, bring her out. And all that she has is swearing as uh, they were sw they sworn to her. And the young men that were spies went in. It, notice, this is a lot. I miss this. Same spies went back. It says here, and um, they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only silver and gold and the vessels of brass and iron they put in the treasure that was God. And Joshua saved Rahab, the heart of the life, her father's household, all she had, and she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because of the messengers who did her. Now I have several other stories. I'm going to stop right there with the reading. I will pick up the reading later on, but just to let you know what I God put on my heart, and this is the title I want to give it. I want you to remember this. You know, if you remember your family, I think you'll always remember this. It's time to save your family. If we have ever lived in a crooked, perverse generation, if there's ever been a time where man has gone to the depths of where they are today in sin, uh, we are at that place. And if we don't do something now to save our family, if we don't have some kind of something that we do, to save our family. They're going to be lost. I said they're going to be lost. We're not talking about loss for a week or two or a month or two, but we're living in the last days. This is the day of the Lord. This is the day of salvation. This is the time we must be ready. This is the time we must help save our family no matter what we have to do. I pray not every day. I try to pray every day. But to be honest, I don't pray every day. Sometimes I, I fail to pray. But I pray for my children. I, I have them on my prayer list. My children, my, 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 their spouses, their children. And I even have some, they have some grandchildren now. Which I don't even tell you what makes me, I guess, a double grand. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I call their names out. Yes. Don't just say, I'm praying for my family this morning. Lord, bless my family. Keep them safe. 
call their name out in prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us. We pray, Lord, here for just a little while, just a little while, Lord. Help us, Lord, to gather the attention of these people that have come. They have come from all specters of life. They have come from, uh, no doubt, Lord, all different diversities of life. But here we are together in the house of God, wanting to hear what God would say to us today. I pray today you would just anoint. I pray today you would just allow me to speak your word. Let me say it, God, in such a manner that they would be moved and your spirit would touch them in a mighty way in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. God bless you. you. May be seated. I'm so thankful to be with your pastor. I I honor your pastor and his wife and their family, and I'm so glad that we could be here. I was uh, certainly uh, happy when I heard um, that he uh, he invited me to minister. I. I have gotten to the age and to the time in my life where I do not prepare three or four or five messages a week, and but it's a privilege to go out and preach. I, I do still preach out quite a bit and do things, but it, it was a privilege when he told me, he said, would you mind preaching for us? It'd be our privilege. I said, wait a minute, it'd be my privilege. <laughs> My privilege, amen, to minister God's word. And so I started praying. I did. I, I, I talked to God, and, and he laid this on my heart. Let, let me just go over a few things quickly. Quickly, I know the time is uh, very important to all of us. Here's some statistics on family. Okay, I've gotten older. Glasses. The majority of children, 54% are living with a single parent. Only 38% are living with two parents, their two parents. And 15% of children, excuse me, and 15% of children living with two parents, amen, where at least one of them have been married before. Family life is changing, I wrote down. Two-parent households are the decline in the U.S. as divorce, remarriage, cohabitation are on the rise. Families are smaller, now both due to the growth of single parent households and the drop of fertility. Teenagers in America are being overwhelmed. We all know it. If your teenager is going to school, I would I would say you'd need, uh, there's several things I would instruct you to do if I was your pastor. Amen. First of all, I'd tell you, you need to know who the teacher is. If they only have one, if they have several, you need to know yes. what they're teaching your children. Right. We, we have not got to the place yet where we are made to send our children to school. Right. Uh, it's it's going to take a lot of work. My daughter is a prime example, and I commend her and all those others who do homeschooling. But I told our church just last year, in the last couple of years, I said, if I had children today, of course, I'm an educated, I, I like education, but I said if I had children at home today, I would have them at, either in a private school that teaches something with the Bible, or I would teach them at home. Now, you can say, I can't afford it. How can you not afford it? What do I have to do to save my family? Okay, teenagers in America are being overwhelmed with a secular attitude. It's not just the things that they teach them. It's the attitude about some things. Isn't it amazing how children, their attitude gets so, how can I say it? It just picks up a different spirit to it when they first come home from school. 
People are being bombarded with a sharp decline in moral values. We're very aware of all of that. Everywhere you turn, immorality is being plastered over all the, the prime time TV and other media. It doesn't matter what media you have. Uh, upon all media, there is all kinds of uh, immoral things being broadcast. You don't have to label one of them. We preach against TVs for a long time, and TVs almost uh, like a, uh, I don't know, fly flap trying to hit a, an owl or an eagle down. All of us need to ask ourselves the question, as parents, how is our life example towards our children and towards Jesus Christ? How, how, how do you represent Jesus? You know, we, 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 uh, we hear it from the pastor, and he's te- I mean, that's a great thing to be teaching on marriages, and, and here he goes right along with us, the family, marriages. But how do you, as a mom and a dad, how do you represent Christ to your children? You know, you, we want the Sunday school teacher to do the right thing. We want, we want the pastor to do the right thing. We, we want to make sure the youth leader says and does the right thing. They can't have a bad attitude, but what about mom and dad? What do I have to do to save my family? What do I, what do I need to change in my life to save my family? This first story we read about here is the story of Rahab found in Joshua as we read that there and I, I thought about uh, this uh, lady and I call her lady yet she was called a harlot and when you uh, read this, these scriptures and you get into it uh, amen there's a, there's a lot to it I, I'm a, I don't want to I didn't read all these other scriptures I had but there's something about the story that it, it's full of uh, uh, of imagery and uh, it's it's full of things that we can look at and and ponder and wonder and then realize uh, that God works behind the scenes so often. And, and, and here, let me, let me give it to you because I, I know that the time's going to be run out before I get where I want to go. But let me tell you this. My church has a little saying about me. They say, uh, Bishop comes with, you know, 25 pages of notes and uses the first two. <laughs> and they say it's a good thing he only uses two. But there's stories. Here's the stories. Let me give it to you because I told Brother uh, Robbie, my son-in-law, I said, maybe I should just do the synopsis and probably take me long enough to just do that. So the first one's Rahab. Then we're going to talk a little bit about Noah. Family. You just keep that in the center of your mind, forefront of your mind. So we're talking about Rahab and her family and saving her family. We're talking about Noah saving his family. We're talking about Lot saving of his family. Then we're going to talk about the Passover, which literally opened the door to save every family of Israel. All had to do with family. Four of probably six or eight major themes of the whole Old Testament, I want you to understand, is about family. And if you really want to get back to it, the book of Genesis, when you get to where Eve is, comes about through the creation of God, then you have now a family, the very beginning a family. And if you really, if you want to put it really legalistically, when God made Adam, it was Adam and God, and now we had a family. Right. I'm talking about what is it that I need to do to save my family. This lady, she did not have any idea what was about to happen in her life. She did not invite those spies to come into her house. 
Why in the world would they choose her? Only We only know that they did because uh, really we don't know why. We don't know why she chose uh, to go to that, uh, they, excuse me, those two spies chose to go. But they ended up at her house. She, for some reason, maybe because of all that she had already heard, and it, it is wonderful. People need to hear about Jesus today. I, I like that song we were singing about Jesus earlier. People, people need to know. You know, I, I tell people ever. Let me. I'm, I'm going to add this in here. And just you know, as a pastor and preacher, we add things in. I, I tell you, it bothers me when people pray and end their prayer in the name of the Lord. I said, what Lord are you praying to? I do. I, I, I've been involved in a lot of uh, umpire. So I'm involved in the community umpiring uh, for many years. And uh, also uh, as a chaplain for the police. I, I've, I've done some varied things in life. And uh, whenever we would pray, and sometimes they would pray, and they'd say in the name of the Lord, and I'd go, in Jesus' name. <laughs> It's amazing how many of these sports guys who say that they love God, and I never hear them ever say Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. It's we as the name of the people of Jesus Christ. We need to call on the name of Jesus. We need to let people know who Jesus is. We need to let them know what he can do for them and how he's the only Savior. There's not another Savior. Only Jesus Christ. And so this lady had heard what God had done, uh, Jehovah God had done to the other small countries or, or should I say people, and now they were outside their walls of their city. Now those people probably felt they were pretty safe. They did not really think that, I, I'm sure there was not probably not a one of them that thought that Israel, the army could get through their walled uh, city. But they did hear what their, that God had done already. And so two spies spent three days in the city of Jericho in the house of a harlot. And we wonder what did they really come to do? Because the only thing we find out is it looks like, I mean, they don't have a report when they get back. You never read the report when they get back. The only thing you hear about is this one woman and her family. And you, and you can believe and think whatever you want to think, but here's what I think about it. I think God knew that Jesus was coming through the lineage of a harlot. And the only way that was going to take place is when those walls fell. And a little lady had put a scarlet rope or cord outside her window. And when the enemy came, uh, should I say their enemy came, but God's people came and defeated them, here's a little lady. That's whole family was saved because they were inside and behind that scarlet colored cord. You talk about a message of blood and the blood that came all the way, amen, represented by a scarlet cord that later on hung outside that became her salvation. But listen to me, mom, dad, it's not just about us. We've had our chances. 
We've had our life. Honestly, we've, we've grown up. Amen. What about the children? I saw the little children here today, brother. You better do everything you can to keep those children in the house of God. You parents better do everything you possibly can to keep your children in the house of God. Don't, don't ever, listen to me. Now, if I go against your pastor, he can straighten me out. But when your children are up here praying, you better not decide it's time to leave. I've seen my last parent uh, take a child that's kneeling at an altar and grab the mother's shoulder and say, we got to go. What are we here for? Why do you think you have children? Because you weren't smart enough not to have them? That's not why. God entrusted into you a family. God, you may be a single mother. You may be a person who's all by themselves, but you have a father and a mother, and you have some aunts and uncles and some cousins, and there's a whole lot to your family. If we could just win our family, what kind of a church would we have? It's all about that. Hallelujah, it's time to save your family. Take a picture of this lady going to talk to her dad. Now, dads are not heads most of the time. Really, they are, they are. I'm talking about grown dads with grown daughters. I got a daughter here. I got to be careful when I say it right now. Now, by the way, I didn't know she was going to be here when I got this ready. But God did. That's okay. It's okay. And, uh, you know, but dads are like that. Now, that once, once they give in, which they always give in to the daughters, just about. Dads do. But anyway, but when they give in, they finally get to the place they need to get. And I picture her going to dad's house and saying, Dad, I need you to come and stay with me. What for? Well, Dad, you know, I, uh, and he knows what kind of a person she is. Yeah. He'd be wanting to take a gun with him or something. I mean, uh, probably something. And here, here she says, Dad, you don't understand. I had some visitors. And they told me if I would, are you ready for this? They told me if, if I would put this red cord outside my window that I wouldn't be hurt and none of my family would be hurt when they attack and and now the dad I don't know but I just feel like his persuasion was not the same as hers and he sort of drug his feet so the next thing remember I'm talking about whatever you have to do I think the next thing he said he she said was dad remember that favorite uh, uh, meatloaf you like I'm going to make that meatloaf uh, tomorrow. And I'd like for you and mom to come over and spend a week with me or however long, a day. Whatever it takes. You've got to understand what I'm talking about. How precious. Every one of you picked out a family member or family members when I asked what was most important in your life. But what are we doing? 
What are we doing to see them saved? What What are we doing to see them in the house of God? What? Uh, listen, you got to be. I, I want you to understand something. You got to remember, I pastored a long, long time. Amen. But I'm telling you, people are important. Uh, but people realize, uh, Amen, how important their children are. We We've said for years, uh, you have a good Sunday school. You have children coming. You're going to have a church because every time something special happens, guess what? Mom, Dad, come. I want you to come. I'm getting a certificate for, uh, you know, something in Sunday school. Right. Yeah, well, you know what happens after a while? They get here and the Holy Ghost gets to moving. Right. They get to feeling something they didn't feel uh, where they were going. They get to feeling something uh, that's moving. Uh, amen. All of a sudden, uh, you find them at an altar, uh, and now their little children are there at the altar with them. Uh, you know why? Because whatever it takes uh, to save our children, uh, whatever we have to do uh, to get our children uh, in the house of God, whatever we have to do to keep them in the house of God, help me, Jesus, I pray. Rahab convinced what what all did it say she had uh, her I think it was her father and I don't remember all we'd have to read it again amen I believe one of the main reasons you think of this you think about everybody and all the things the issues that came up and what what this woman did and how she she went and did what she had to do let me tell you back about a long time ago I had a Bible study with one couple their name were McCausland. McCausland. One lady actually, and she convinced her husband, you need to come. <laughs> Bible study started with two people, actually one, her. We started teaching Search for Truth. This is a long time ago. Pretty soon she had her mother and her dad there. Pretty soon she had her two brothers there and their two spouses and their children and and then there was uh, Anna's children they had some children too and those children of course were there and by the time we got through with that 10 week 12 week took us about 12 probably week we had baptized 15 people 15 people got baptized one Bible study you know how why that happened because Anne McCausland kept inviting her family. I want you here, Mom. I want you here, Dad. I want you here, uh, Brother. I want you here, Sister-in-law. Come and hear this preacher teach uh, in our home. It's nothing, and we'll have some food afterwards. What, whatever it takes uh, to get your family saved. Uh, what can I do to get my family in the house of God? Time's running out. If you ever believed anything in your life about time, time is running out. She got them there. I don't know what she used. It, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us everything. Now, if I was a real evangelistic preacher, I could really tell you some big stories, but I never was too good at making up stuff. Let's go to the next one. Let's look for a moment at the next one. God spoke. To Noah says, I, I, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy the evil. The evil, the evil has come up." And I'm gonna destroy everybody. And you know, he said, "If but but if you will build an ark, here's what I like about this. Now you got to remember this." According, the scripture says he built it according to the patterns 
that God gave him. So many feet long, so many feet high, so many decks in it or divisions in it, one window in it. And we teach, we talk, all of us have preached typology on, on the ark and how it was this and pitched in and out and had the animals in it. And, and you know, you always wonder, you know, why God let the mosquitoes in? I don't know. There's all kinds of things like that. <laughs> I guess the birds needed something to eat. But when you think of that story, you think about how never rained before. You, you think with me just a minute. What God did to get that family in the ark. 120 years building a boat that would float with no rain to tell them what rain even was. Only the dew came up. But they did what God said. And I noticed when I read that story, I noticed it said it in several places in that portion of Scripture. Like I said, I have all those Scriptures, but we can't take time to read all of them. But when you read that story, you find those boys that worked so hard, they got in the ark. And all of their three wives got in the ark. And their mother and father got in the ark. And every family member that was mentioned in Scripture got in the ark. And all of them were saved. I know we can talk about the ark being, you know, the church and how that we get them in the church and all that. But when I, when I got to reading that, you know what, what to me, and, and, and that is important, that's necessary, that, that's, that's what we're trying to achieve. But when you think about it, it would have been so lonely just knowing his wife. And you think for a moment, I've wept tears, cried, and pleaded with God and begged with God. I'm sorry, that's just me. Lord, I don't want to go to heaven if my wife and children can't be there. I, 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 don't, I don't want to go to heaven by myself. If I can't help them walk and live for God good enough that you will forgive them and help them and bless them. I'm sort of like Moses. Just take me out, God. What, what will you do? What will you? You know, I've talked to people and, and, and we've made this prayer. Whatever it takes. How many of you ever said that? Whatever it takes. I, I've said that so many times, God, whatever it takes. I don't want any, anybody, anybody to get hurt. I don't want anybody to get, lose, get a disease or die. Or, I don't want any of that to happen. I won't know. I, but I want them saved. I want their children saved. I want my grandchildren saved. I want, I want my family saved. I want my brothers saved uh, and their families. And I got their names on my prayer. I got a long prayer list, just family members. Uh, and I call their name out. And then I got a church phone list. And I mean, excuse me, prayer list. I have a phone list too. But a prayer list. And I have their names on it. And I'm always having to change it. And, and Sister Henning and I was sitting down. And we were going over my, my, my phone list. And there was, I kept having to take people out who's gone on and did not even know that my best friend would die that week matter of fact in the last year I've lost the two closest friends in my entire life I hunted with I fished with I did 
church with, I preach from, they preach for me, uh, everything possible. I've lost both of them and since September of last year and then September of this year. It's tough. But losing them is nothing compared to what it would be like if my children aren't saved. Noah, God was gracious to him. God will be gracious to you too. There's just something about that when you read that story. One of the saddest stories, though, is the story of Lot. But don't jump to conclusions and, and get down on him too far because Hebrews still does label, label him as a righteous man. That gives some of us hope. <laughs> because <laughs> he was named as a righteous man Abraham heard from God God didn't even speak to Lot but he spoke to Abraham I mean excuse me he, he, yeah, he spoke to Abraham Abraham went over to him and told him Lot God's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah you got to get your family out get your family out I wonder how he struggled with that because remember when him and Abraham and their, their herders were having trouble, yeah. then, then uh, Abraham said, well, you take the best, you take first choice and I'll take the other. And, and he did. He chose the well-watered plains and he chose the city area, the area down there where there were a lot of people and probably a lot of diversity of all kinds of things. And, and, and that's where he moved his family. That's where he moved his family. Where it was better for him as far as, I guess financially, better for him as far as uh, all, all that had to do with just normal life, but it wasn't better for his family. Somehow they got tied in to, one, to that city of Sodom, or that city of, I guess it was Sodom probably, but they got tied in to that city. It, what, several authors of different books and people who have wrote uh, about this said that he was like uh, almost like a, a city councilman set at the gate. And they take from that that he was a, a well-known person in that city and, and maybe even a, a person of, uh, uh, of having uh, certain things to do in the city. But no, when Abraham spoke to him, then, then Lot spoke to his wife. And, and the first thing we read, we read when, you, when you read the story there, he, uh, he, he goes to, or excuse me, uh, she goes, uh, let's just go, we'll go back and read it. Let's, let's do it right. Let's do it justice this time. Amen. I'll find it here quick. I got it all here. And Lot, and Lot now let me read it, verse 13. For we will destroy this place because it's waxing great before the face of the Lord. Now let's go back to verse 12. These, these two angels that came unto Lot. Excuse me, I said Abraham said it to him, but uh, no doubt Abraham later had something to do with it because he bargained with God. But anyway, so the, the two angels came to Lot. Has there any besi here besides son-in-law? Now, I want you to notice this. He names them, labels them in verse 12. Son-in-law, sons, daughters, and whatsoever thou hast, and whatsoever thou hast, he could have put in there, and whatever family... You have, bring them out of this place. 
And you go right to the next verse. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Verse 14, I have it in bold letters. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which had married his daughters, and said, Up, get ye up out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. The lack of family respect. Something had happened and it wasn't transmitted from Lot and his wife to those daughters and their son-in-laws. His son-in-laws. And when you think about that, and you know what gets my attention every time I read it is that he went and talked with, he went, uh, verse 15, it talks about in the morning rose, the angels hasten Lot, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters. That's all we have a record of. Where are the son-in-laws now? And maybe we go just a little further in depth and ask the question, where are the sons? For the, the angel said to them, bring your sons out and your son-in-laws and your daughters. I've often questioned and wondered, does that mean that he had some sons in that city too? But the only ones who responded, and even them, they got as far as mom and dad's house. And the angels, they sort of contemplated just, well, I, I don't know. I, I can hear them talking to dad and mom. And, and dad keeps saying, listen, those were angels that came to us. We've got to get out of the city. There's going to be great destruction. God's going to destroy it. I know. Uh, you know and I, and I, here, I'll, I'll go a little stretch. You know, Abraham it spoke to me about how he had bargained with God just the other day about if there was a, just ten people or five people that were, that were righteous, he wouldn't destroy the city. He said, this truck's coming. we got to get out of here. Can you hear the cry of that dad and, and speaking to his wife and to those two girls? And at least they responded, but even they, the Bible said they lingered on the day of destruction. They lingered until the angels literally had to take them by hand, read it, and bring them outside the city. When the saddest Epithets that you find in the Bible is when it says Lot's wife looked back and was turned to a pillar of salt. And then if you continue reading the story, it only gets worse. The horrible story of two daughters. I'm telling you, if we don't put something in our children, if we don't do something to keep them in church, if we don't do something to keep them loving God and living for God, if we are not a good enough example that they want to follow God because of us, we've got to change. We've got to let the Holy Ghost do something to us today. You know what? Jesus could come today. Where would your children be today? Maybe you better go home and make that meatloaf and invite them over. Come on. Come 
maybe better go over to their house uh, and make sure, uh, amen, if there's anything uh, you've done or said that's upset them or hurt them. Get off your high horse. Get rid of your pride. Uh, this is no time to have pride that keeps you from having communion with your brothers and your sisters, uh, excuse me, and your daughters and your sons. Uh, you better get beyond that. Bury that pride. Uh, we're talking about uh, the eternity. We're talking about forever. Uh, what will you do to save your family? Or we just keep going the way we're going. The last story is the story of the Passover. And you know, preachers have preached for hours on that. But when God spoke and Moses told them what they had to, had to do, so many of them we find obviously did it. Now, I, I don't find where those of the Israelite family didn't do it. But I can't help but believe in a, of, a, of a million people, or how many ever people there were. Some people say a million and a half. Some people say 500,000, whatever the number was. But an angel was coming and bringing death. What do we got to do? Got to do what God says. Yeah. What's God say do? He says, get all your family in one place. Read it. Get your whole family. Get Dad, get your brisket out, cooker. Get that, that animal, pure animal, one-year-old, male, goat, or uh, sheep, and kill it and drain the blood out into a bowl and uh, cook it. And on the night I tell you, I want you to cook it and eat it and have your whole family inside the door. But before you shut the door, take the blood. What will you do to see your children saved? I, I, I don't know, but I have a feeling many people as I've pastored over the years that you probably had a good 20 to 30 percent that said well probably 10 percent were too busy I just don't have time to kill an animal and get all my family together and then there's probably another 10 percent who said yeah there goes Moses again he's just trying to make us have another hard night messing us up I'm trying to fatten that calf or that sheep or goat. It's not ready to cook yet. Every excuse you can think of, I'm sure it was found that night. But those that listen to the, the man of God, and I'll say that right here, I'm, I'm a 100% I'm a proponent, and your man of God is who you listen to first, and let's go a little further, and only because you're going to get Aunt Susie who knows all telling you something different than the pastor says. But he, they listened to the, all, all of those, every one of those that listened to the man of God who heard from God. He heard from God. It was from God. And they took that blood. You know what they did. They put it on the top the sides 
of that door. And they shut the door. And they got dressed. And they got the rods in their hands. They ate their meal. No leavened bread, all unleavened bread. They ate their meal and waited. Hardest thing in the world for me to do? Wait. I hate waiting. But they waited. Pretty soon they heard a wail, no doubt. Somebody come out in the street screaming, My baby's dead. I can't wake my baby. Somebody help me. How many screamed? How many dads tried to find Moses now? Or Aaron? How many moms were crying out now? What will you do to save your family? Let's read this. In conclusion, if there, if if any are here today that are interested in saving your family, there's going to be a cost. If you think that you're just going to slide through life and just live however you want to live, and your family be saved, you're sadly mistaken. It's a high cost. It's going to cost you to see your family saved. Think with me for a moment. The children of Israel had been in bondage 430 years. They had nothing to look forward to until Moses showed up. When Moses showed up, trouble showed up. And they blamed Moses for everything that happened. But little by little, they kept kept getting a little bit looser and a little bit loose from Pharaoh and a little bit until finally that last plague they call it until that death angel came through and took so many lives but there were some families there were a lot of families that listened to the man of God and their whole family was saved every member that was in behind the blood do you think some of them didn't say, ah, that's not necessary? Sort of like repentance now. Churches nowadays just go straight from raising hands to, to saying you're saved. You're going to have to repent to be saved. You're going to have to, and let me go a little step further. You're going to have to repent, probably, most of us have to repent every day. Yeah, you can take your halo off right now because, you know. <laughs> but you're going to have to repent. It's going to cost you something. You're going to have to take on the name of Jesus. And it's got to be water baptism. I had a fellow ask me one time, he said, how about just getting buried in some sawdust? I said, I hope you can breathe. <laughs> I said, sawdust won't work. Well, we ain't got any water. Well, when there wasn't any water in the Bible, God sent, made some water. Here's water. Let's go down in it. How do you think that water got there? God put it there. there they'll, they'll be a place for you to get buried in water. And my goodness, the Holy Ghost is just a gift from God. 
Everybody wants a gift. I got a birthday Tuesday, y'all. I'll send you my phone if you want me to. Number, phone number. But I just want you to know something. The gift of the Holy Ghost is the most wonderful thing you can have. I still like that old song. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I just love Jesus. I, and I tell you what, I love my family. My family's number one. Family's number one. I've let church get between me and my family in years. Being the pastor, thinking I had to do this and do that. If I could turn it around, there'd be some of those this and that. So I would say, we'll wait on that till I get through doing this with my family. I can't change that. I can try to do better now. But when you read these stories, the thing that jumps out is that every one of them had to get behind, had to get, had to get in behind, or should I say, they had to get together and be where God wanted the family. Let's quickly go over it. Stand with me. Four stories. Rahab, in the midst of war, turmoil, and destruction, get your family under the protection of the covenant. That's what those spies made with that woman. Get behind the scarlet cord are for us the red crimson blood of Jesus Christ. And when you read it, only Rahab and her family were saved. Number two, Lot. In the midst of the judgment of God, fire will fall one day as promised by God. We don't know when it's going to fall, but we must be ready. Just as the fire fell on Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot rushed to get his family out, although not very successful, he was able to save three and only to lose one as she looked back. And then Noah, in the midst of total destruction of the world and all the inhabitants, by everybody, Noah was able to save his family by building a mark and finally the Passover every father's responsibility was to kill the lamb and apply the blood and then get the family don't stop there then get the family behind the bloody doors so that all our responsibility to get the family behind the blood of Jesus Christ Bow your heads with me today, please. I'm, I'm trying to reach somebody today. I'm trying to just try to stir you a little bit today, Dad. Mom. Grandma, Grandpa, whoever you are. Those precious little children that God gave you. They need to be saved. Your family needs to be saved. Follow through with your commitment and your covenant. Follow through with the cord of blood. Follow through with the name of Jesus. Follow through and all your family can be saved.
all you have to do is do what Jesus says. Find a place to pray. Find a place to repent. Find a place to give your life to Jesus. But when you finish that, listen, you've just started because your family is counting on you. Your family. Somebody ought to weep and pray today. Somebody needs to cry out today. Somebody needs to say, I've been, I've messed up and I've failed my family, but today I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to make steps in a better direction, in the right direction. Because I want my family to be saved. I want my family to be saved. Some have come. Is there anybody else? We open the altars up for you. Come on. Come on, Dad. Come on, Mom. Make a commitment today. It's okay. Swallow your pride. Don't worry about what somebody else thinks. What about what Jesus thinks? You think he didn't send this preacher all this way just so you could hear another message? No. He's trying to reach you today. Uh, he sent a messenger to tell you your family is the most important thing in your life. I surrender all today, Jesus. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 